0: hello and happy christmas to everybody listening to this today's episode of the podcast is with james young james is the ceo and founder of aston microphones aston is an amazing microphone company in the uk actually the microphone i'm talking on right now is the aston element which is the newest microphone they've released which we talked about and the interesting way they made the microphone Uh, i really enjoyed the conversation with james like all these podcasts i learn a lot from other people and he was a super cool guy and super informative and I think it's a really interesting podcast for anyone into microphones or anyone not into microphones. So anyone looking for a new microphone, I would suggest checking out Aston Microphones to make some great stuff. And yeah. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Goodbye. How are you, James? Yeah, I'm good man. How are you? Ah, oh, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good. In these crazy times I'm all good. You know how it is. Yeah. How are you finding um people must be buying more microphones? Because uh,
1: Yeah. Um we, we we've 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 been kind of fortunate enough to ride a couple of different waves at the same time. Mm. Our business always was already growing rapidly before COVID uh mm. came along. So uh, the first quarter of twenty twenty. Forgot what year I was in for so the minute. So got a year ago. <laughs> Jeez. Um yeah the first quarter was our biggest ever quarter last year was our biggest ever year and then and then COVID's hit and because i guess a lot of people are doing music at home the sales have increased i think i think generally speaking um we've um, our market research and the information we're getting back from other companies is that uh, the microphone business has probably grown depending on what sector it's in mm-hmm. uh 20 to 30% something like that Wow. But uh, it was just, you know, which would in any year would be a good year. But our, our business has done a lot better than that because we were already growing rapidly. And I think the tech award that we won in January
0: yeah.
1: for the stealth really, really put our name on, a, on the map in a way that it possibly hadn't been before. And the brand recognitions kind of suddenly hit that critical mass. So everybody kind of hmm. is excited to be using our products and knows about us and talks about us. So it's been it's been a hell of a year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the the cool thing about them is they look original like i love the way they look they just look badass as well they're not like like i mean i use a u47 clone and i like that you're just making products that are your own thing you're not trying to go back and you know recreate these products and stuff like that which are cool also but you know that it's good to move forward in that area i think
1: yeah and there's not a lot i mean there's, there's not a lot of development <coughs> in terms of the the aesthetics and design of microphones um period really i mean there's some cutting edge stuff when you're talking about 3D and, and things like that. But the development of studio microphones has been pretty static, apart from some bells and whistles, um, for decades, if you think about it. And as you, as you rightly point out, I mean, there are a lot of clones out there. Actually, the way the mic, the, the way the mic market diversified and developed about mm, 30 years ago, I guess now, was that uh, we started to see for the first time on the UK market and worldwide OEM mics coming over from China, you know, decent copies coming over, and that's when you know your entry level condenser studio microphone dropped from six seven hundred quid suddenly down to a couple hundred pounds. Yeah, I think I think maybe people aren't necessarily aware of that, but I, I remember going into Turnkey in London thirty years ago to buy my first condenser microphone after I'd been using an SM fifty eight for years, Yeah. and it was an Audio Technica forty thirty three, which now is like less than 200 quid and it was 700 pounds and the shock mount was another 150 quid. Wow. Um, so it cost me the best part of a grand to buy a 40, 33, 30 oh years ago. God. That's the margins that these big companies were working on. It's why those brands were so, you know, so mega rich is that the margins um, and the, the market share they had was, you know, ridiculous. I mean, it was huge. So uh, then the Chinese copies started coming onto the market, and it changed everything. Road came along, and and kind of they were the first people that were uh, not perceived to be an OEM brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, although a lot of the the early NT1As came out of China, but they you know they 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 progressively started to do more and more stuff in Australia, and they were the first brand to kind of go. Actually, we can build a, a decent quality mic and not charge. The best part of a thousand pounds for it and then you had blue come along and companies like that but but really nobody did anything with the design stuff you know i mean they all they all still look like u87 clones apart from blue actually and violet who are a clone of blue um, but yeah. uh um but the aesthetics on on mics like like the blue range and, and more recently uh lewitt who are kind of look a little bit of a nod to akg um the, they are purely aesthetic um in other words the, there's there's no there's no specific function to what they've done whereas our aesthetics were driven by complete necessity actually um and i don't i don't know whether you know this but my background before um i did aston was that i was the co-founder of SE electronics
0: oh i did not know that man
1: so I, I, I was the I was the co-founder, the, the 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 sales marketing director. We did my company in the UK did all of the marketing, all the product development, all of the sales internationally, everything. And then we had a manufacturing partner in China who built products, and we built a um, part of the team that I'm that I that I have now with Aston and myself built SE Electronics over the period of twelve years until it was a, about five million dollar company. So it was it was, you know. Not, not small, but not big. Yeah. Doing okay. Certainly, you know, for me, it was good. <laughs> and, uh, and then we walked into a, a meeting in, uh, with our with our Chinese business partners uh, back in 2014 now. Uh, and they, they just said to us, thanks very much for getting us to where we are today. Don't need you anymore. And tore up the contracts. Oh, and because we'd God. done everything, yeah, when we went into it, we were so green because that started nearly 20 years ago. Um, we did all the contracts ourselves with them in an apartment in shanghai and so all of us so when we got back to the uk our lawyers just went yeah you know, you've got no chance so we actually lost everything overnight we had to put our company into administration our houses were on the line the whole thing and it was at that point that we sat down and went what the are we going to do <laughs> you know what do we do next oh. this has been our whole lives and we had uh i am going to come back full circle to the design thing by the way all good.
0: <laughs> it's all good and,
1: and basically we got this outpouring of support from from all of the, so the, U, the uk pro audio community producers engineers um artists who said well you guys built that brand everybody knows you did you know so do it again do it better do it, you know make it your own brand don't have partnerships with everybody that's how aston started so coming back to the design thing is we i had always wanted to build mics in the uk and with that partnership we had with SE, we weren't able to do that because the manufacturing was in China, and they didn't want our, our partners at that time didn't want us building anything in the UK. Which retrospectively, I now understand why. Yeah. But, um, but so so it got, it afforded us an opportunity, and that that thing that seemed to be our darkest possible day in terms of business, suddenly we realised, hey, there's there's actually nobody. There are a couple of Companies that are doing OEM stuff from the UK, which we don't really count as proper mic brands, um, because it's just buying stuff off the shelf and rebadging it. Yeah. There are some boutiquey things. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think what the name of the company was. Uh, Soundfield, um, who are up in the north of England, they got bought by road uh, last year. Um, they were doing sort of very, very high-end boutique um, sound array mics. and so are not really, you know, the kind of thing that you'd use for project studios at all. And you've got Coles who, who build ribbon microphones mm. in the UK, but they're an engineering company that don't specialize in mics. So there's no, So we're the first, we had this opportunity to be the first major UK studio mic brand. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden what went from being a really a dark day was like, hey, we, 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 we get to give, be the guys that are the voice of the UK audio industry. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> <Let's do it." laughs> yeah. So um, but the challenges we had were we wanted to build them in the UK and they needed to be, a similar kind of price point to the stuff that we had done before, i.e., Road SE Blue. You know, we we wanted them to be not low down Berenger Sampson entry level, but that kind of you know lower mid market range because we feared that if we if we made expensive stuff, which we are very capable of doing, um, we uh, that people would kind of just go, oh, those are the guys that did SE. It's only expensive because it's made in the UK. So we we right. we, we gave ourselves the challenge of. We always innovated. I mean, even doing the SE stuff, we had brought out some good products, you know. Um, we were the guys that were responsible for inventing the reflection filter. In fact, that was my, I coined the name reflection filter. Really? Yeah, yeah. so that, that's a market niche that we created. Ooh. Um, and uh, but, we had, but we wanted to innovate with the new mics. They needed to be at the right price point, i.e. Like competing with stuff that was coming out of China, but built in the UK um and obviously that when you look at that on paper you go well that that's bloody impossible how are you going to do that you know yeah so the only way we could do it was by completely deconstructing the microphone and this is where we finally get to the point of uh, sorry, <laughs> why the maps are different um is because if we had done something, um, and we did look at it, um, because that's where you start, where, where we kind of gone, okay, let's build a U87 type mic. It's a cylinder with a head mesh on it, blah, blah, blah. Then it would have just simply been more expensive, no matter what we did, because we can't compete with the mass produced chassis and headstocks and stuff that come out of China. So we had to think of novel ways of building the microphone using new materials. We employed an architect to do the design for us who thought about it, not as a microphone person, but purely as a piece of architectural um, production engineering work and so we were able to combine all these different things and when we, when we were looking at it we we're like well why mold a chassis and then spray paint it why not build it out of a bit of metal where you don't have to have the spray paint and all of those chemical processes because that will be a big cost saving why why build a mesh head that's got this kind of brass wrap around it and you have to prime it and paint it there's, there's a lot of hand and material work goes into the head Um, mesh heads and they actually don't work very well because you always need a pop shield with these little mics and if you drop it it dents the head the mesh head and you've got to spend a lot of money replacing it or it'll break the mic so we came up with the waveform spring and the and the knitted stainless steel wool for the origin and you know gradually bit by bit we produced these first two mics that kind of broke the mold on how to build microphones and that that set a a bar for us that we've then had to live up to with each new release so everything we've gone into we've kind of we've, we've deconstructed what's out there and said does it have to be done that way no okay can we do it better and can we do it cheaper
0: yeah
1: and the answer is usually
0: yes yeah i i think they look more expensive like they look they don't look like the mics that are in that price range when i seen them first i was like whoa they look expensive how much are they and i was like whoa I was like really surprised because, and they sound great. My friend has a spirit, which I I have to get one of them eventually, (laughs) but it it sounds great. Like we were doing like mic tests ages ago with them and, you know, they're brilliant mics. So aesthetically they're gorgeous looking. And, you know, I think in necessity, it kind of almost worked in your favor that you needed to kind of think in a different way.
1: That's the thing is it's, and, and from a, from a, uh, from an architectural point of view, it did. Also, from a sound development point of view, I mean, we, we were very fortunate um, to kind of overshoot the bar that we were setting for ourselves in terms of audio quality, because we knew we needed to be at least as good as the competitors, otherwise people wouldn't take us seriously. And very early on, we were like, how do we do this? You know, how, how are we going to reach out? We're not a big company. We're with three or four guys that have just been made bankrupt. <laughs> you know, So how, yeah. how do we do this? And I was, it, suddenly, it suddenly dawned on me that all of these producers and engineers that had given this outpouring of support, they, they're people that work at the top of the industry. And I'm talking about people like Gil Norton, who did who worked with the Food Fighters, and Chris Porter, who worked with David Bowie and George Michael, and Rick Simpson, who was Coldplay's producer for the last five, six albums, and so on, so on. And that's where where I started picking the phone up and going, hey, how would you like to helped me with listening to some mics to help us design these mics. And they all just went, anything we can do to help you get back on your feet will do it. So it was, it was a real... It was very humbling, and it was a great yeah. privilege to work with those people, and and we still do. And that's how the, the, the Aston 33 panel started. Right. We started uh, with the Origin Spirit. We had 33 top producers and engineers who basically conducted a whole bunch of blind listening tests over a six-month period with us. But these these guys basically... Uh, were the ears for us on the whole project so that panel we we didn't influence them in any way at every stage we'd test capsules we'd record audio files from five six different mics we'd send out those audio files numbered so they had no idea what they were same with the electronics when we made variations there and they would just feed back to us this one's the best this one's the worst here's why and that would through a series of um tests allow us to develop the, the, the microphones and then we released the ones that they voted for at the, the, at the final stage yeah. and then it comes out to the press and all of the press are going holy shit how the hell did you guys <laughs> have like three thousand dollar microphones it's like cool. <laughs> they designed it <laughs> so, it was i guess a bit of good karma
0: mm.
1: scary I mean, though of- i can imagine it's very scary well what was scary was doing this one <laughs> actually actually. Yeah. That was scary because we we properly put our necks on the line with that and after doing Origin Spirit Starlight and Stealth, which is the one that won the tech award, um we we kind of went we found a way that we could with that we could reduce the cost even further, uh because I didn't actually ever think that we'd be able to go underneath the origin. But we, we we worked we worked out a way of doing it, and uh, which was based on the capsule, which I can I can talk to you about in a minute if you want to. But basically, with the marketing campaign for this, we were like, "There's there's a whole bunch of people out there that know nothing about the Aston Thirty Three, and actually, that is the coolest bit of the brand because the reason all our mics sound so good, they're not just eye candy, is because the people that designed the sound are the top people in the business, and they're nothing to do with microphone manufacturing. They're all the big producers and engineers out there that work on all the albums that you love, you yeah. know." And we just hadn't told that story very well or managed to get it out to people. So we figured that if we if we went through the whole process live with the public, then it would kind of tell the story about the Aston 33 a lot better and it would get a lot of people involved and vested in the product as well. But of course, the downside to it was if people hadn't liked it, <laughs> we, could, we could still be here going through blind methods trying to build a decent mic, you know. So it was
0: scary. We yeah
1: a year developing the chassis and the capsule and everything for the element before we put it put it onto the uh the live voting tests that we did. Right. We went through three three months or so of live voting tests for the general public. But I, I can tell you it wasn't until about a week before that voting process finished and we realized that we'd finally made something that was going to win. Yeah. That I started to climb off the ceiling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was cool it was cool doing that doing the beta testing on it you know I was involved with like it It was good fun I I enjoyed it kind of kind of every time you get a different kind of thing it was it was was interesting because you feel more kind of part of it then and then you get then you buy the mic and then you know you're like oh so yeah
1: I I, I enjoyed the bit I did I enjoyed the idea and the setup and
0: I enjoyed the end result but I didn't enjoy the bit (laughs) the The stress part three months (laughs) yeah so tell me about the element because it looks cool and i'm sure it sounds really cool i'm dying to get my hands on it
1: yes well we just you just you just briefly saw before we we started on the call we've got guys downstairs the team are all putting together the voters editions which is which are the ones that are going out to the people that actually got involved in the listening process so those are all going out right now Um, a bunch of people have already had them actually so the pack i don't know you can see this let me just uh pull this down a little bit for a minute but basically we've, we've really gone to town on the packaging um, and made it a nice opening experience, ah. quite different to the stuff that's out there. The element, by the way, is getting a a, a free ten-year warranty with it as well, which wow. no stretch, just a free ten-year warranty. So it's that's got fairly good, the <laughs> best in the business. So the voters' packs get a little letter from from me thanking everybody for taking part, and then people that took part in it get an official certificate, um, which is kind of done on really nice card that you can cool. And say so you're part of the Aston family developer panel. We've dispensed with all of the manuals and stuff in the in, in all of the mics now. So we just put a warranty registration card in and a downloadable manual, which is uh, saving uh, saving on waste. And then basically you get you get this box which has got the kind of three bits on the inside. The voters are getting a pack of stickers, so they're getting all of these window stickers and stuff in there. Um, the ones that are just standard stock you just get one random sticker of these and the others are available if people want them online and then there's a couple of badges in there as well so there's just quite, there's a lot there's a load of goodies you know <laughs> um so you've got and of course the mic actually comes with a shock mount and a pop shield so if i start if i start with the mic and then we can we can talk about how this was designed as well because it was it was quite a process it's a beauty to upset them downstairs because they're gonna have to <laughs> Polish this all up and reseal it again. It's all brand new. But so that's the, that's the mic. So cool. Um, and it, again, you'll notice it's 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 very different to anything else that's out there. It's different from our other products as well. And the reason for the chassis design is not we we didn't just go let's something that let's make something that looks like a nineteen seventies brawn razor. <laughs> 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 we uh, the the chassis is very very dependent um, on the sound that we wanted to create it has a big impact on the sound and i'll 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 come to that in a second when i'll show you the other bits so we, we then designed our own shock mounts there's no oem parts there's nothing off the shelf here um mm. with 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 nearly all of the the sort of lower cost mics that you get out there things like the shock mounts and the pop shields are just um you know they're from oem chinese manufacturers and they just back bundle them with the mics this is all custom built for this product so you see it's got a little slot in the side there Oh uh,
0: yeah. Cool. And these
1: little tabs on them. So basically you just slot the mic in and the tabs go to the side like that, and then you just press and it and it's oh that's great. And it's stuck on there. So it's really, really, really simple, very strong. And then this is the pop shield. Um, which is the bit I really love? We've got we've done a little t- TikTok video on this uh, as well because you can actually chuck the pop shield at the mic and it'll stick to it, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, oh, that's how you put the pop shield on. That's cool. Man. <laughs> and the, the nice cool. thing about it as well, because like, I'm a guitarist and so I'm I, I'm doing vocals, guitar, vocals, guitar all the time, swapping and changing, and it's really annoying having to, to kind of put pull the pop shield away, take it down, put it back again. Yeah. So. We, Find it specifically so that the return on the pop shield allows you to just kind of go. Oh, I want to do guitars now, so let's just get it out of the way. Oh, and that's
0: cool.
1: On 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 that, so it just sits stored out of the way while you're doing your vocal takes and guitar takes. That's handy. Yeah. Very so, handy. And the magnets are all shielded from the capsule, so you don't get any interference. If people worry about that, there's no there's no magne- magnetic interference with the polar pattern on the mic. Um, so the mic itself. Uh, <laughs> I, I said to you that we we came up with a way of making it less expensive, um, and I, you know I never want to put a mic to, a product to market at all that is just filling a price point. You know I think a lot of the companies out there just go, we, we need a 150 pound mic or we need a 99 pound mic. Yeah. Um, but our, our our priority is uh, that we always have to build something which which you could use in a professional professional studio. And what you won't see ever with those other sub two hundred pound mics, you won't ever walk into a pro studio and see them there. Oh, God, no. You no, know, they just really they start at things like the four one four and the TLM one hundred three, and you know those 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 mics you'll see in pro studios. Our mics you see in pro studios all the time, but you won't see other. I'm not going to mention brands, but you won't you won't see sub two hundred mike you know mike brand yeah. name here you know the ones i'm talking yeah. about <laughs> uh, but yeah our, our one of our biggest successes was capturing the pro audio market first and that's very unusual and and unheard of when you've got 200 pound mics but they're mm. every major recording studio all around the world um so with this thing we were like <laughs> uh, my my chief electronics designer trevor zinc who's our resident mad professor came to me about 18 months ago maybe a bit more than that now she? um and said, I've got a great idea on how we can reduce the cost of the capsule by 90%, wow. and it was bloody awesome. I'm like, okay, cool. That that could allow us to do, you know, entry-level microphone for the first time. I was like, so what is it? A it completely new capsule technology, never been done before, and I just went, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another massive headache. <laughs> um, so, but basically, he he'd come up with a a, a hybrid technology that is neither a condenser, uh, a ribbon, or a dynamic. It's like all of the best bits of each one. And uh the only way I can explain it is it's it's um it's as it's as thin and uh the capsule itself is as thin and uh responsive as a ribbon microphone. It's very delicately thin, but it's made out of mylar like a condenser microphone would be. Uh. Uh, But it's got a moving coil system behind it like a dynamic microphone would have. So so you end up with (laughs) with, something that's got the bass punch of a dynamic and a smoothness. It has that really nice natural mid-range, which is where all the the main frequencies that you want sit, the vocals and and the main instrument lines sit. So ribbon ribbon microphones are thought of or described most most often as it sounds like you're actually in the room with the person that's playing or singing. And then you've got the the kind of the really fast transient response and the high frequency extension that you get with a condenser mic, which is the thing that gives you that really kind of close up detailed sound that people like. So it takes each of the best bits from those uh, mic groups, combines them together in one capsule, and that's what you've got in here. And it was and the capsule cost us a tenth of the price to make because it's entirely new technology. Wow. So rather than going back and kind of going, how can we make a condenser microphone? How can we make a dynamic? We just d- invented something new and uh, <laughs> so we don't make life easy for ourselves and then <laughs> once we'd invented the capsule we then realized that you couldn't actually put it in a normal mic chassis because it wouldn't work it would sound shit. Uh. so we had to design the whole chassis around the capsule to make it work properly even the grill this thing instead of having a normal kind of wire mesh we had to design a grill that had this just diffuse a pattern on it because otherwise it just sounded bad and you've got too many plosives so and then down to the even down to the contouring on the body which is a bit like, you get, you know, you get uh, wave contouring on Genelec speakers and a lot of speakers now mm. around mm-hmm. to reduce diffraction, basically. That's why they do it. So people think that it's, uh, they call it a wave guide. People think it's kind of somehow guiding the audio to your ear. It's not. It's basically, it's not that you don't get any sharp edges. You don't get diffraction. So the audio is theoretically... Uh, um, Less screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> so on the way in, the same thing applies. Everything's rounded, everything's curved on the mic, so you get less diffraction. So the audio source reaches the capsule in a more pure form. The diffuser stops it from overloading the capsule, and so you get a nice diffuse sound, but you don't lose any top uh, top end frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, the base frequency on this capsule, which is one and a half inches wide, so it's much bigger than a normal cond- condenser or dynamic capsule, is is just so much more present than it is on on anything else you get without being overwhelming and the high frequency you get extension way past 20 kilohertz so even even the best condenser mics on the planet if you look at their frequency response plots they kind of they start shelving off at about 16 17k Mm -hmm. and you get a dip towards 20k so they they all quote 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz but they're not flat this is flat Um, and it extends way off the top of the frequency charts still flat so (laughs) uh, Uh, so it's just a, you know, from a aesthetic point of view, it's quite interesting. And from a, a, a mechanical and electronics point of view, it's so advanced. It took so it was I mean, it took 18 months for us to develop the whole product, which is twice as long as it would normally take to develop a mic. Yeah. Um, but it sounds bloody heroic as a result. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty happy with it.
0: So you're proud of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It must be a lot of work, though, like design and all that stuff and. You have the sound and everything. You know it's, it's cool that you're doing something that's different because there's just so many. Like we were saying earlier, there's just so many of these clones of, oh, and they're great looking. They're cool. They sound good, but it's just a bit exhausting of like, oh, here's another U forty seven clone. You know, I mean, you know. So it's 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 and your mics look original. So that's they stand out.
1: We're never gonna do clones. Um, the work is. I mean, it does. It, it goes in waves. Yeah, it does get pretty hectic when you're in the in the in the, in the final stages. The last two or three months of mm-hmm. getting a product out the door is the worst. Mm-hmm. It's a bit. It's that. It's that whole snagging thing. You know, you kind of you think that you're done, and you really aren't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when everything goes wrong, horribly wrong. <laughs> and people get annoyed with you, and you know, it's, it's difficult. But in general, the way that we've got our design team set up is like every bit of the company actually it's like um the thing i'm most proud about is that we've ended up with a company where it's it's what i always imagined a company should be 20 years ago but the first couple of times around i tried it i already screwed it up yeah. <laughs> so we've got a really good team of people that that are that we we treat like family and and i think that the whole Aston family thing with our with our customers out there it gets it gets translated as well people feel like they're part of a tribe you know mm. um but it's the same with the design team. So usually I've got this I've got this kind of line that I trot out to people so they understand why it is that you get this homogenization of products. I mean, not just in mics, but you know, look at kettles, look at cars, look at anything you go out and buy. It's like, well, they all look kind of the same. They were all kind of the same price. And you start looking at features and going, How many watts is this kettle? Like <laughs> we know that you know how much difference that makes. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah, yeah, yeah. People
1: start buying on specs that actually mean nothing to them at all. So and it's how the, it's how um, you know, uh, a, a classic example of that is actually the Rode NT1A. Um, it was it was for years, decades. It was um, uh, sold as the world's quietest microphone, hmm. and uh, so everybody goes, "Brilliant, I'll buy that one." And it, it, that only matters to a point because if you pick up a U87, it's got a self noise floor or something like 12 dBA, hmm. um, which which compared to the 5 dBA that Rode quote is a vast difference. Because yeah scale but just to put it in perspective of how how much we've done with this thing this is now officially the world's quietest mic <laughs> 3.48 dba wow so it's it's significantly quieter even than the road um but yeah so our design team basically uh this thing that i trot out to people is look companies, uh, you hear of engineering or marketing-driven companies, for example, or sales-driven, and you've always got this interplay between sales, marketing, and engineering, you know, and, and it's who pushes the hardest that, that drives the product in a certain direction. Um, engineering companies are always the ones that, engineering-driven companies, are the ones that go bust because, yeah. you know, they're driven by people that are, are only interested in building rockets, you know, so. But
0: yeah.
1: so basically, sales guys want a product that does everything for a pound, you know, and they don't have to think about it. Marketing people want the product it's the only one that does this and nobody else can do it.
0: Yeah.
1: And engineers want to build space rockets and they don't give a shit how much it costs. So (laughs) somehow you have to kind of manage these three groups of people together to get a product out the door. And it's why so many products end up being the same thing because you have to make compromises and concessions. But the way that we do it is effectively, I have oversight over the different teams, the, the marketing, the sales, the production engineering teams, everything. But individually they don't, they don't get together until after we finish the product. So we get together as a group to then discuss how we're going to market and sell and you know, yeah. discuss the engineering stuff as marketing terms once we've done the product. But before that, they all work independently and they all have complete freedom to think of whatever ideas they want to put on the table.
0: Right.
1: And so you don't get this kind of watering down of ideas. The engineer is allowed to be a rocket scientist. And my my job is basically to go, that's a great idea. We can afford that that's a great idea, but we need to keep that for a more expensive product. So rather than stifling them saying, you have to build this to this price point, we just let them come out with all of the ideas and then we see which ones we can squeeze in and it makes it makes for a very different product.
0: Yeah. How, how did you get into the area of microphones? Because it's a very niche thing in in certain aspects. I mean, I love microphones, but you know.
1: I mean, I I, I was a musician first and foremost, still, still am, still, still do a lot of playing and writing and recording. And... When i was 22 years old i think 20 22 23 i went through my first divorce <laughs> and i okay. walked out of court courthouse in a in an absolute daze because you know i was like jesus christ this is this is real life and i instead of going home i got on a train and went up to london to my favorite music shop and walked in the door and said can i get a job with you i need to do something my head's <laughs> blown apart and so i got a job working in turnkey Wow. And I never looked back. That was it, basically. But my training was as a zoologist. I've got—I did a zoology degree, so uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's random. I'm gonna have to start making microphones for parrots or something like that.
1: Yeah. So it's—I so ended up getting into the music industry in retail, then working for a distributor, then another one, and then starting my own company distributing stuff, and then getting involved in founding SE because I'd had success selling microphones as a distributor. And then had that whole twelve-year experience, and then started Aston on the back of you know,
0: yeah.
1: basically a long,
0: a long and uh, vivid story. <laughs> were you in, were you involved with that um, that Rupert Neve SE mic? Yes, that, that was a beautiful looking mic.
1: My conception as well, the Rr one. Really?
0: Yeah, that sounded gorgeous as well. Well, basically, when we were in the in the
1: final few years of SE, my my. My then business partner and best friend, Mitch, and I were also partners um, and shareholders in Rupert Neve Designs. And we got the two companies together and basically said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could put the Rupert Neve badge onto some SE mics and actually collaborate and build some microphones between these two companies that we own shares in? And, uh, and so that's how it all came about. But that's all been written out of the history of... of, of I mean, if you look on the SE site, it's like we never existed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's always the way, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I mean, whatever, it's, it's cool. But uh, yeah, so the, so we, we had plans basically to do a range of high-end mics, which, which were supposed to be done across a couple of years, but ended up taking about 10, I think, more than that even. Wow. So the, the, the R&R 1 and the, 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 uh, the, uh, the 17 series... Um, and then the tube mic, which they only released about a year or so ago, I think. Um, those were all conceived and on the on the drawing board back in 2008.
0: So it took 12 years to get them all out. Wow. But yeah. Jeez. So. Are you ever going to do a tube mic? Yeah. <laughs> that, so you've got one in the plans, I guess. <laughs>
1: this is the nice thing, by the way, is about what we've done as well, is if you look at the success we've had in five years, we're five years old this year, and uh, this is our fifth microphone product, and we've had the Halo out as well, and we've won a Tech Award. We're the only company in the in the thirty-five history thirty-five year history of the Tech Awards, only company, not just mics, anything, to be nominated three times and win a Tech Award and win Best in Show in our first five years. So, and we've you know we we've, we've brought out six products in that time as well, five mics and the Halo, all of which have won multiple awards all over the world. So, yeah. it's been. It's been a hell of a ride the last five years. You know?
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Are you, are you going to expand into preamps or compressors or any of that? I know that's a completely different business model, and it can be parts-wise, I guess, difficult. I, I,
1: I can't tell you where we're going to diversify into, but I can tell you it's not likely to be mic pre's and stuff just because it's a very, very crowded market, um, as is the mic market, but even more so. There's a, Every man and his dog is doing a boutique mic preamp. Um yeah we've got we've got to complete the whole studio range i mean you know we're very obviously missing a ribbon we're missing a tube mic you know there are there are other mics that we haven't yet done um and there are other areas i mean there are so many areas with mics that you can go into everything from live to consumer you know just there's there's a lot of broadcast there's a lot of stuff that you can do yeah.
0: um,
1: my love is the studio market because that's cause I'm a, music, a recording musician but
0: uh so we'll complete that bit first before we decide to do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and the element, even though it's a con- even though it's like three mics in one, basically, it's a it uses phantom power. It does. It does, yes. I've just I've just
1: noticed. I think somebody's walking around on the roof upstairs. <laughs> We're doing building refurbishment at I think somebody's come around to inspect the roof. So something <laughs> any minute, you know why. Um,
0: someone from Neumann trying to steal your ideas. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I mean, it, it requires phantom power, the other. It is, uh, it, it, like I said to you, it's kind of like a combination of all of the three mics, but you, do, you do need, you do need phantom power for this. And then when you plug it in, it also fires up some LEDs behind the badge here, so you get this, you get this indicator, which is it looks cool in the studio, but it's also quite important, especially for people that are starting out with home studio stuff. A lot of the interfaces don't really give you much of an indication of whether or not your mic is working or not. Yeah. Um, so you, you're you twiddling with knobs, fiddling with software controls, and pulling your hair out wondering why it doesn't work. So the nice thing about this is when you plug it into an interface, if if it's getting phantom power and that badge is on, the mic's working. So mm-hmm. if you're not getting, you you know you know that you don't need to check the cable and you don't you just need to go to the software and go and check out your settings. So it's 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 useful.
0: Has has anyone tried to do? I know it might be difficult and sound-wise it might not be good, but Bluetooth mics. Uh, in good ones, not these bad, shitty ones. I've heard shitty ones.
1: I I am I'm I, I really hate digital technology. Really? <laughs> yeah. From a production point of view. Yeah. I mean, anyway, I'm not really. I'm I'm quite old school about um, good analog equipment, um, and I know that's a very very split. I'm not even going to get even. I'm not even going to get. Into the <laughs> People are split down the middle, and yeah. it's not like I'm anti digital, but I think that. Uh, cuz you know I re- I record using logic audio so clearly it's digital mm. period mm. but the way I go into my logic is through some Rupert shelfed channels and using analog equipment and you know I, I I I like that I like the kind of it's a bit like being out to get your hands on the on the engine of a car rather than having to take it in and put it on a computer you know it's like yeah. Oh, that's wrong <laughs> yeah um, but from a production and manufacturing point of view digital technology is a nightmare unless that's what you're good at so for us as a company, trying to, trying to diversify into let's do digital would be such a huge leap mm. from let's do analog really well that it would require several years probably of development and team building to, to get us to a point where we could do it. And it's so fast moving that unlike this, which will still be being sold in the same, exactly the same format in 10 years' time, you bring out a digital mic and it's obsolete within a year.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point that's uh that's that's too much for my point <laughs> point <take> these days. <laughs> do you find that you' it's gonna start where people are gonna start ripping off your mics? I don't know whether they will um nobody has yet uh
1: and I think that's possibly because they've they've got every reason to in terms of how well the company's done and how many awards we won and everything but i think because we look so different mm. in both halo as well as the microphones. That if somebody tried to, you know, copy our products, it would be so bloody obvious <laughs> that it would only be a Chinese OEM company that would do that because they wouldn't really care. You know, yeah. the yeah. brand, you know, if Road or AKG or, you know, came and actually did something that was like one of our products and used our technology, then everybody would go, whoa, hang on a minute. That's, you know, that's Aston that did that. Yeah. And I, I don't think that they would go, go there and do it. I think they're quite content to let us just get on with our own thing.
0: Yeah
1: um so yeah and, and plus most of the stuff we've done it's it's not that easy to reverse engineer as well, maybe the origin and the spirit not not so difficult, but the, this and and the and the halo and the starlights and the stealth those are complicated products it's a cool.
0: yeah, the stealth's a very interesting microphone,
1: yeah, that was um that was properly difficult microphone to finish i can off. imagine that we had a major learning curve with that where we we got right to the end what we thought was the end of the process we we've done a lot of the blind listening tests we've done a lot, a lot of the chassis development and we basically pulled the two things together and it didn't work because the we we played about with materials so Um, We'd built prototypes using one set of material and then for the final product, we had to actually use the real materials, Mm -hmm. um, just out of efficacy of how how much it would have cost to build a, a, a finished prototype as if it was a finished product. And we just simply didn't realize it was one of the things that we learned the hard way that... Keeping everything so it looks identical, the mechanics, everything, but changing the material on the top of the microphone from one kind of plastic, a three D printed plastic, to a molded plastic, which was a slightly different type of plastic, fundamentally changed the sound. And we had to, we suddenly had to go, oh shit, and completely (laughs) do all the sound development again because we had no idea that was going to happen. So there, there are some big pitfalls along the way with these things, you know. Stealth, stealth was good because. It was a classic, a classic Aston development. We started off going, okay, there's a really, we think that the cool area of the market sector at the moment is the SM7B, VRE 20 large format dynamic mic, lots of people on YouTube using them. Yeah. Let's not do a tube mic because, you know, we think that's the way to, to, to go yet. And so we went after that. But as soon as we started it, we realized that there's some fundamental problems with that market, i.e. the mics are capable of doing only one thing. And they don't suit everybody's voice or instruments. And you've got to go and buy £150 worth of Cloudlifter to get them to work.
0: Yeah. yeah. We went,
1: Let's add some voices. Let's stick the preamp in it. Let's <laughs> save money so that you're getting all of that stuff for the same money. Yeah. And then we, we release it to market and, you know, hey, presto, tech award.
0: So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the name of Aston?
1: <laughs> I, was, I
0: thought Aston Martin. That's the first thing I thought. Um, yes, we don't discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> It got that's us into good. a
1: little bit of trouble early on, actually, because we we just uh, we would were, we're quite close to a little village here that's called Aston. Uh-huh. I sort of was reminder every time I, dro- I I drove home, and and our sales director Alan went, you know, that's a, that's a cool kind of British sounding name, you know, sounds kind of cool, blah blah blah, and so a bit James Bondy, you know. So Yeah. We, yeah. That's a cool brand image, and people will kind of you know they'll 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 be able to associate it more than calling it you know whatever i was going to try and think of something but i won't Um, (laughs) it would have come out wrong i'm sure but only a few months after we'd launched the brand uh we we got the call from aston martin saying "No, no 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 you don't really (laughs) but why you build cars and they went well we put microphones in our cars for our for our for our phones shit so so after about a year of us really wetting ourselves and thinking that we were gonna to have to change the brand name and then how the hell would we start again? Because it would just it would have you know, I mean it would have destroyed us, it would have finished us off. Mm. They came back to us and said, Okay, coexistence agreement. We can see that clearly you're not trying to sell your mics and call your and on the back of being Aston Martin. Yeah. And as long as you can do that, then we haven't got a problem with you. So
0: that's
1: cool. A certificate somewhere in the room which <laughs> which is signed by like, you know, one of the top legal people in the country. <laughs> Martin and Phil Smith for Aston Hey,
0: <laughs> <laughs> It was worth it.
1: I without a fiver in his back pocket. So, <laughs> so it was, there's been a lot of funny stuff like that along the way. That uh, because again, when we started the company, we, we were really green about this stuff. You know, we didn't un- understand that that we could potentially be treading on the toes of somebody as big as Aston Martin by building a microphone company and. I'd always understood as well that, if you know, Aston microphones, there's, there's, a, there's, there's like a, you've got to have a some certain number of letters different in a name and then it's not a, you know, then it doesn't count as being against somebody's trademark. But when, you, when you've when you got big companies that if they wanted to, they could close you down by simply tying you up in court cases because they've got the money to,
0: Yeah,
1: quite a scary thing. And hats off to Aston Martin that they didn't do that. You know, they looked at us and went, okay, they're not a threat. They're not doing anything to try and nick business off us and you know so they 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 did what actually perhaps they didn't have to do and that's that's they let it ride you know so Mm -hmm. that was um that was good of them
0: that's super cool of them because you know normally a lot of businesses and big companies they will destroy you almost you know
1: oh yeah yeah we've had our fair share of people trying to do that to us over the last few years as well trying to shut us down yeah yeah Jeez, man that's that's crazy especially my competitors really Absolutely, we had a we had a couple. One in particular, we had a which again I won't mention names, but we had a, when we when we in the first year we went into the USA, and we had a major mic competitor, um, which is you know it's, I, I guess it's kind of you know good that they saw us as such a threat in a way when we were so small, but but um, but yeah they they uh, they called up all the dealers and said if you deal with Aston you're not having our mics anymore, and. Fortunately for us, they put it in writing to a couple of dealers, which is really stupid because it's actually a federal offense to do that.
0: (laughs) So They screwed
1: up there. One of those dealers went, guys, I think you ought to be aware of this. And as soon as it got into our hands, we just went straight back to them and went, unless you retract that with everybody, and if we get any wind, that you are still pressurizing dealers to not take our product then we're going to take this to court and we're going to wave this email in front of them. And they stopped and backed off and all the dealers suddenly opened up again. But it was, um, there's a lot of shit that goes on in the background in this industry. I think it was the cold war, honestly, but you know, we we, we were literally four guys without a pot to piss in. (laughs) just setting up in the USA, trying to sell some microphones. And we had a major mic company trying to shut us down like that. So it's, it's.
0: geez, And you know, like, the the, I, a <laughs> hey, that's good though. You know, it's it it's good. I know it sounds awful, but it's good in a way that they, you know that they're like these guys are a threat to us. Shit, that's bad. But you know, it's 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 quite it's quite cool in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah,
1: but so so it's yeah it's. It's interesting when you hear there, there, there. You can imagine I've told you like a tiny fraction of the stories that we've got that have happened over the last five years. Uh, I'm sure from the outside world, it just looks like, hey, Aston, this really cool company. Wow, they're doing really well. I wish I had that lifestyle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not that easy, really, not that easy. It's uh, It's been a hard road to get where we are now. And, and it's only this year that we finally started to see ourselves come out of being in losses and with debt and stuff. And so you know we've we've done well we've done well to do it that quickly but it's 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 been interesting
0: (laughs) yeah there's always a good uh litmus when you see people on youtube constantly using the mics and people reviewing the mics i always think that's a good sign when you get recommendations of mics and stuff like that you know something's going good there in that aspect and then all of a sudden
1: what happened this year that hadn't been happening before we were working with a lot of artists and producers and engineers but 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 in 2020 all of a sudden you're seeing you know so many famous artists big big artists and they're using our mics and our halos and it's like you know the list is endless and you you you, like you say you go onto youtube or even turning on the tv and suddenly the mics are all over the tv and they're in everybody's recording studios and that's cool that's when you realize shit the brand suddenly tipped over from us trying to push it out there to suddenly it's just kind of like we we can't get enough out to people because all all of these very big artists and engineers and producers are using them and people are, 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 are picking up on that you know yeah. it's we couldn't pay for that kind of publicity we, we you couldn't it's very difficult unless you've got big money behind you to create that kind of pr they are genuinely just using our products because they're bloody good yeah and that's 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 been a, a massive tipping point for us so very cool to see
0: <laughs> i think it works in your favor as well that it's you, you're doing it in england you're not outsourcing things to china and stuff like that you know
1: yeah, absolutely. We've got, um, you know, we do, we, I think about 70% of our purchasing is done with local UK manufacturers. That's great. Hard to keep it to that, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, even tooling for, you know, things like t- tooling for the end caps, the, the top and bottom bits for the origin and spirit and the, the electronics, the, all of the circuit boards are made over here, you know, even for the element um so it's it's yeah we, we, we keep a pretty green footprint we're really careful with the packaging and stuff and tr- trying to keep our carbon footprint down as well and wherever we can using recycled materials i don't know whether you know but the halo for example that's 70 percent recycled plastic bottles
0: i was reading about that that's crazy
1: so uh doing our bit to take some plastic out of the ocean as well
0: <laughs> and the mics are kind of recycled uh aren't they some of the mics the the spirit
1: yeah, most of the stuff in the microphones is recyclable material as well. Um, the packaging is all made from recycled uh, material and is hundred percent recyclable. So I mean we yeah, we we put a lot of effort into trying not to damage the environment as we're going along while we're building mics for people,
0: yeah. you know. Hey, how can people not like you? Come on, that's cool. You got great mics, you're saving the environment. It's all good, man.
1: <laughs> we're doing our bit. We're doing our bit, you know. It's 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 important, I think. But uh but yeah, it's I think that uh, to answer that question, uh, a lot of people still maybe unbelievably, if you if you are into Aston, you know about us. A lot of people still don't know about the brand, you know. Right. There are, there are the, the, the big companies out there like like Blue and AKG and Roland and what they've been around for so long. Oh, not Roland, sorry, Road. Um They've been around for so long that. Um, to get to a point where you reach that critical mass, where you're just on somebody's shopping list because they've seen the name on on so many cookies, on so many websites, mm-hmm. and so many so long, you know, we don't have that kind of marketing budget, so we're reliant, very reliant on product placement, word of mouth, people talking about it, and that's that's what seems to have started happening in 2020, which is cool. That's that's the nice thing is that the previous four years of us just doing our best seem to have finally paid off which is, which is nice to see
0: yeah it's all good man um, I'm dying to get the mic hopefully this mail comes soon and I'll get it and I could. try I was hoping I'd have it today and I could have it there and be talking into it but I'm fine sorry I will make sure it's all good man well um, thanks so much for your time I really I could probably talk to you for hours but you're busy and I don't want to be annoying you so it's it's uh, really really enjoy and your beard is so lustrous i'm liking that beard <laughs> i had a bit be- i had a beard similar and i shaved it a few days ago and i'm instantly regretting it
1: dude that's harsh
0: <laughs> <laughs> i had hair like yours about 3 years ago oh did well. yeah that
1: grew the beard instead yeah yeah the yeah the beard looks good on you man <laughs> it's getting a bit bushy. I need to get in, I need to get
0: one of those lockdown haircuts that you can't get. So are you doing that? Are you, do, are you putting the oil and then the beard oil in it and all that shit? Yeah. <laughs> no, I tried that for a while and I just can't be asked. Really. Me too. I put it in my beard and it got into my mouth and the whole day I'm like, oh shit.
1: <laughs> well, it's just too much effort. You know, every now and again, if it's too itchy, I'll put some moisturiser on and walk away. That's about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, oh man! Well, thanks so much for this. I really appreciate it. It was great, great talking to you. Been good. It's been really good. All right, dude. Thank Take you. care, brother. Have a good day. Bye.
1: Thank
0: thanks. you.